Blog Talk Radio. was a low-backed model with casters that allowed him to roll to his desk or a cabinet. 
Mine was a thick green leather armchair, too cushy. I kept sinking into it like a child. Are you comfortable, he asked. Yes, I lied. Want to eat something? No, thanks. Drink? I'm good. Good. Okay. I hadn't written down a first question. What would be the right first question? How do you begin to sum up a life? I glanced again at the file marked God, which, for some reason, intrigued me. What would be in that file? Then I blurted out the most obvious thing you can ask a man of the cloth. Do you believe in God? Yes, I do, he said. I scribbled that on my pad. Do you ever speak to God? On a regular basis, he said. What do you say? These days? He sighed, and then he half sang his answer. These days I say, God, I know I'm going to see you soon, and we'll have some nice conversations. But meanwhile, God, if you're going to take me, take me already. And if you're going to leave me here, he opened his hands and looked to the ceiling. Maybe give me the strength to do what should be done. He dropped his hands. Well, as a first step, let's admit it. Most of us talk to God, especially now that the holidays are coming. Does this sound familiar? God, I hope this turkey turns out okay. Or, oh, God, why is Uncle Louie coming to the dinner party? He gets drunk every year and scares the children. Or, what about this? Lord, help me get through this weekend. Or, dear God, if you just get me through this, I'll... And then the promises start, right? I remember hearing a funny story about a couple that was sitting at the dinner table trying to impress their guests. So they asked their six-year-old daughter to say grace. When she looked confused, her mom said, Oh, come on, honey, just say what mom says when she prays. So the little girl bowed her head and she said, Lord, why did I invite all these people over? Yes, we talk to God all right, but most times, We do it unconsciously. We don't really think God is listening. We don't believe God answers prayer. We don't expect an answer. And we're not thinking that we will engage in an actual dialogue. Perhaps we wish we could have a direct conversation, but we don't know how to communicate. So we cry out for him, then ignore his response because we don't know how to listen. And we say, God, speak to me. And the whisper comes, and we don't pay attention and keep going, completely oblivious. God, where are you? He sends a butterfly to kiss you on the cheek, and you brush it off in irritation, and you mutter, ugh, bugs. Then we say, God, I don't feel you. He sends a breeze to embrace you, and in response, you hold your coat tighter so it doesn't blow open. And maybe you curse the weather, too. Why don't you hear him? Let's start with an explanation of what I'm talking about when I say talk to God. Can you have a conversation with him the way I'm having a conversation with you now? Yes. Will he answer? Yes. Then why can't you hear him? Is it because he doesn't speak to you in particular? No, it's because you haven't learned how to listen. God speaks to all of us in different ways. He may speak to you directly the way he has spoken to some of the prophets, the sages, and the yogis. When I have asked people who profess to have had conversations with God, I find that this actually appears to be the least common method in which people hear God's voice. But it does happen. The voice of God may take the form of that still, small voice in your heart that some people call intuition, 
others call your conscience, and others call the Holy Spirit. Over time, with practice, you will come to recognize it, in part because you hear and come to understand stuff that you didn't that you know did not come from you and in part because over time you'll recognize when it's you talking and when it's not you talking i have experienced this personally and i can attest that it does happen and even to this day after 5 years on the path of meditation um there are still times when i hear that still small voice and i think was that me and sometimes i have to wait and see it bear fruit before I can be absolutely sure. Now, another way that God may speak to you could be through the people around you. Now, I have experienced this many times when, for example, I ask God a question or make a request on, let's say, Monday, and then the very next day, Someone comes along and addresses the exact query without even realizing that God and I just had that discussion the day before. Or you may turn on the TV or you may go to your temple, your masjid, your church, and you may hear the priest, the pastor, or the rabbi, or the imam speaking to exactly the thing that you had asked God about. Or... You may even randomly open your life manual and find the answer you were seeking. Now, I speak of the life manual because one of the founding principles of this show is the idea that we should have, in an ideal world, a standard by which we live. And that is in my opinion, the life manual, which is the best one that is out there. For those of you who have not heard this show before and are wondering what a life manual is, it's like a product manual for you. When you buy a computer or a car or any other gadget, most of the time it comes with an instruction manual, right? So it tells you how best to use the product to optimize performance. It tells you what not to do with your product, and it has a troubleshooting guide just in the event that you run your product off into the ditch. And your life manual does the same thing. It tells you how best to live your life and the instructions for optimizing the quality of your life and your relationships. It gives you a troubleshooting guide in case you run your life off into the ditch, and along the way it tells you what not to do. Um, things that will probably not be good for you. The life manual, depending on your personal persuasion, may be the Christian Bible, which happens to be my life manual. It may be the Hebrew Bible or the Tanakh. It may be the Bhagavad Gita, or it may be some other holy writing that speaks to you. Whatever it is, uh, my encouragement is, Spend some time with it because you will find that if you really pay attention and you read with an open heart, it is relevant today as it was when it was originally written. You will also find that the underlying truths about how to live and how to love are generally the same across the major religions. In the Bible and the Tanakh, which is the Hebrew Bible, there is a beautiful passage in 1 Kings chapter 19, starting at verse 11, that illustrates this point of listening to God and waiting for the different ways that God may speak to you. The context is that the prophet Elijah had just killed all the prophets of Baal. Uh, Baal was an idol who was worshipped by many of the people in this particular society. And he had enraged Queen Jezebel, who now wanted to kill him. And so he escaped. And this is his first encounter with God after this incident. And it goes like this. I'm I'm just going to read you what the passage says. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. 
And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. Sounds amazing. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? I have always thought this passage was so illustrative of how God does not always show up in the way that we expect, but he comes. You may experience God's voice in ways that are unique and appeal specifically to you. He has no limits, but you have to be careful not to limit him yourself. I remember a joke I heard once upon a time that really just cracked me up, and I've never forgotten it. And it was uh, a little story about a man who lived in this little town, and they were expecting a great flood. And in this day and age, maybe it was a tsunami. But um, he's in his home, and the town is being evacuated. And so the um, fire marshal comes to his door, knock, 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 and uh, he gets to the door, and the fire marshal says, hey, you've got to evacuate. We're expecting this terrible storm, and everybody needs to leave. And he said, oh, no, no. I am a lover of God, and God is going to save me. So the fire marshal just kind of looks at him and thinks, oh, what a nut. And off he goes. Well, the rain comes down, the rain comes down. This man's been hanging out in his basement watching the TV, and his basement floods. So he goes up to the first floor. Now he's on the first floor. And once again, knock, knock, knock. Here comes the fire marshal. Okay, uh, now we are really in the thick of the storm. You really need to get out. And he says, oh, no, no. I am a lover of God, and God is going to save me. I don't need to go anywhere. He's going to take care of me. And so this time the marshal argues with him, but he refuses to leave. And so finally the fire marshal, who still has a few other places to go, uh, leaves, and off he goes. Well, the rain comes down, the rain comes down, and the man's first floor floods. Well, now he has to go up to the second floor, right? So now he's upstairs on the second floor when here comes a boat. And in the boat is a rescue team. And the rescue team knock on his window. Knock, knock, knock. And he comes to the window, and they say, hey. And they're yelling because now it's, it's raining and it's storming. Hey, you need to leave. Uh, you might not have noticed, but there's this horrible storm, and it's time for you to go because it's not going to lighten up, and it's time you, you really need to move. And he says, oh, no, no, I am a lover of God. God is going to save me. I don't need to go anywhere. So they argue, and they argue through this man's window in the pouring rain, and he is just steadfast. Ain't leaving. God's going to save me. Don't you worry about me. So the rescue team uh, in their boat have to paddle on because, they, too, need to get out of harm's way. Well, the rain comes down, the rain comes down. The man's second floor floods. He moves up to the roof. He's sitting there on the roof. Helicopter comes over. And along comes a rope that is uh, dropped down so he can hop on the rope. He refuses. And the blowhorn comes. You need to get on the rope, sir. The rain is going to keep falling. And he says, oh, no, no. And he's yelling and he's waving his hands, and they know by now because now he's like, you know, the story on the news about this idiot who won't leave this town because he's waiting for God to save him. And uh, so he's yelling, no, no, I'm not coming. I'm a lover of God. God is going to save me. And um, the helicopter wanders around, but it's storming and it's dangerous. So after half an hour of arguing, the helicopter leaves. Well, the rain comes down, the rain comes down, and guess what happens? The man drowns. Now, he gets to the pearly gates, and he is mad. And he gets up there, and he sees the Lord. And he says, well, where were you when I needed you? I told all those people I was a lover of God, and I was waiting for you to save me, and you never came. 
And God looked at him, and he shook his head, and he says, well, now let me see. As I recall, I sent the fire marshal after you twice. I sent a boat with a rescue team after you, and I even sent you a helicopter. What else did you want me to do? So all that to say, you have to be ready for the ways that God talks to you. They might not be earth-shattering. It might not be in a thunderbolt of light. It might not be a burning bush. In fact, I can almost guarantee it's not going to be a burning bush in this day and age. So you have to be ready and you have to listen for the ways that God is going to speak to you. Now that we've covered the ways that God can speak, let's talk about how you get better at listening. Two words, prayer and meditation. If you are partial to any of the Eastern religions, you may be more familiar with the concept of meditation because they tend to um, focus more on meditating and sitting in silence and going within. In my life manual, the Christian Bible, there are numerous references to meditation. People being instructed to meditate, people discussing their meditation, and various other references. But while Jesus instructs us on what to say in prayer, I confess that having read my life manual cover to cover, now I think I'm on the third time, I have yet to find direct instructions on how to meditate. And that question led me on a multi-year quest where I asked pastors, I asked deacons, I asked Christians, I asked yogis, I asked people from various faiths how they meditate. The reason I was searching was because I wanted to have a closer and more personal relationship with God And going to church once a week and saying the occasional Lord's Prayer when I remembered before bedtime just wasn't cutting it. I wanted more. I wanted to know God for myself. I wanted to be able to say, I know he exists because I spoke to him this morning, and I have felt his presence, and he talked to me, and I have seen evidence of our conversation unfolding in my own life, and that's how I know. Because at the end of the day, we can't, you cannot intellectualize the existence of God. You cannot get somebody else's truth. You have to get the truth for yourself. So let's start with the fundamental question. Why talk to God? What's the point? What's the benefit? Interestingly, when I was researching this topic, I found an eight-week mindfulness meditation study that was conducted by the Massachusetts General Hospital. There, researchers found that meditation appears to make measurable changes in brain regions associated with memory, sense of self, empathy, and stress. This is the first study to document changes over time in the brain's gray matter as a result of meditation. You will find a link to the study on the website at thespeedwayshow.com. To scroll down the page on this show to the related links section, and you will find it. A cursory web search turned up over 100 articulated benefits of meditation, and I'm just going to rattle through a few. We'll start with the physical benefits. It increases the efficiency of oxygen circulation in the bloodstream. It increases your tolerance for exercise, assuming you might want to exercise. It can reduce high blood pressure. It reduces anxiety attacks by lowering the levels of blood lactate. It increases muscle tension and decreases... No, it decreases muscle tension It reduces the impact of chronic diseases like allergies and arthritis. It reduces symptoms of premenstrual syndrome. It helps in postoperative healing. It enhances the immune system, improves levels of energy, strength, and vigor. It can reduce cholesterol levels and lower the risk of cardiovascular disease. It reduces stress. It decreases the effects of the aging process. It can cure headaches and migraines. 
and overall, it improves brain function. Let's talk about the psychological benefits. Meditation increases concentration and focus. God-centered meditation increases intuition and perceptiveness. And I'm going to talk to you primarily about God-centered meditation because it's the only meditation that I have actually tried. It improves emotional intelligence, it increases self-confidence, reduces anxiety, and increases calmness. It reduces moodiness by, among other things, increasing serotonin levels. It increases your emotional maturity. It reduces fear, uncertainty, and anxiety caused by the daily stresses of the world. It helps you improve control. It helps you improve control of your thoughts and emotions. It increases your willpower. Meditation makes it easier to overcome negative events in your life, both large and small. It makes it easier to overcome bad habits, increases daily productivity, improves your ability to learn and retain information. Your being centered, joyful, and emotionally intelligent improves your relationships. What a revelation. And it improves your ability to see the big picture in any situation. Kind of a useful thing to know how to do better at work. So we've covered the psychological and the physiological benefits. Let's talk about the spiritual benefits. This is where I get to talk about a lot of these were just mine because I knew what they were. And as I said, mine has been a God-centered meditation, so it's not that secular meditation doesn't provide these benefits, but this is just what I know. God-centered meditation allows you to attach yourself to God as your pole star, reducing uncertainty, fear, and being swayed by daily negative events. Now, I have to tell you, it's not that you're not going to have ups and downs. It's not that you're not going to have emotional swings. It's not that you're not going to have difficulties. It's not that you're not going to react like a normal person when bad things happen to you or things that you don't like happen to you. But what it does mean is you're going to recover faster and you're going to take it in stride much better than somebody who gets tossed back and forth and all the way up the emotional ladder and all the way down into the depths of despair every time something happens. Meditation allows you to better realize your oneness with God. Simply put, it will bring you closer to God and therefore it will improve your relationship with him. Meditation makes it easier to get in touch with your spiritual self. It makes it easier to distinguish between your ego and your spirit. It makes it easier to live a full life of purpose. It increases your ability to empathize with other people. It increases your personal wisdom. It leads to a deeper understanding of the joys, fears, and motivations of others. It makes it easier to see how people really are and be more compassionate. It makes it easier to love others. It improves your peace of mind and contentment. It makes it easier to perceive God around you. It improves your attitude towards life. It creates greater optimism and therefore improves your quality of life. For more on how this works, check out the Attitude of Gratitude Moments to Be show that aired not too long ago with Barbara Hoffmeister. You can check that show out at thespeedwayshow.com. And again, it's called Attitude of Gratitude. It aired the weekend after we had Thanksgiving in the United States. So I think that was uh, November the 27th. I'm going from memory, but it's around there. It makes it easier to communicate consistently with God. And it increases your inner peace and allows you to better perceive your sense of purpose and live it out. Well, how about that? That's just a fraction of the impact. For more on the impact of meditation on the brain function and how this translates to benefits such as reduced stress, increased calmness, and greater happiness, check out the articles from the magazine Psychology Today that are listed in the related links section on thespeedwayshow.com on the posting for this show. Now, let's face it. Some people are afraid to talk to God, yeah? Some people are afraid that he might say things that he might that they might not like. And I found just the cutest illustration of this. Uh, my kids have a series of 
uh, VeggieTales DVDs. And for those of you who are not familiar, VeggieTales are a series of uh, Christian-based Old Testament um, mo- uh, films, movies, that are aimed at children, and they use, you know, uh, vegetable characters as the um, main characters to illustrate certain Bible stories. So this one happens to be the story of Jonah and the big whale. And for those of you who are not familiar with the story of Jonah, Jonah was a prophet of God in the days of old. And he was from time to time asked by God to deliver messages to the um, people, which he did. But he had a bit of a, a... we think it appears that maybe he had a bit of an ego problem uh, because when Jonah was asked to go and give the message to the people of Nineveh, this terrible city where people were running amok and, and doing naughty things, that if they carried on that God was going to judge them and it was not going to go well for them, Jonah didn't want to go because why, you know, those dastardly people of Nineveh, ew, who wants to go there? So this is a nightmare that Jonah had after he ran away because he didn't want to go to Nineveh. So off he goes to this place called Tarshish. Take a listen. Yes, which way is Tarshish? Right this way. You can't miss it. Oh, thank you. how to love, and how to better understand your creator. 
It is my personal opinion that every religion has con- has common fundamental principles, but as you all know, different religions also have significant differences over which wars, wars have been fought and lives have been lost. These differences are far beyond the scope of this show, except that I will suggest to you that your best way of discerning the real interpretation of spiritual truth is always go to ask your Heavenly Father, your Divine Mother, because what you ask God, He will not deny you, and the answers will come to you if you simply ask. Step two. Pick your place. Now we're getting into the practical fundamentals of what to do. Pick a place in your home where you will always go for spiritual time with God. In my life manual, Jesus instructs us that we should go into our quiet, um, private place where you can be alone with God and your Father who sees what is done in secret will bless you. This is also a step that is embraced by some Eastern yogis because it develops the good habit of meditation. One of the things that sleep therapists recommend, and I'm going to diverge a minute, but this is relevant. One of the things that sleep therapists recommend to reduce insomnia is to do is to severely limit what you do in your bedroom besides sleeping. No working, no watching TV, no doing anything that will stimulate brain activity, except maybe making love. (laughs) This is in part because it trains your body to get into that sleep mode when you enter your bedroom over time. Finding a consistent place to meditate in your home has a similar effect. It helps you go into that spiritual meditative mode whenever you enter this space. You will also increase the the positive spiritual vibrations in that space that will also encourage you to meditate and be at peace when you enter into it. This takes us to step three. You're learning more about your father because you're reading your life manual. You have identified that spot in your home where you will meditate. Now that you are there, get comfortable. Find a posture that you can maintain for a long period of time without discomfort. You may choose to sit on your knees. You may choose to prostrate yourself with your head on the floor and arms outstretched before you, as some people do. If these traditional postures aren't comfortable for the entirety of your meditation, consider sitting in a comfortable, ergonomically correct chair that supports your best posture and that is with your body at 90-degree angles. So your torso is at 90-degree angles to your thighs, at 90-degree angles to your calves. I use this method often, but many times I actually prefer to sit cross-legged on the floor on a meditation pillow that raises my bottom and forces my, my spine to remain straight like an ergonomic chair. I either have my hands together in front of me in prayer posture or during longer meditation, I rest them in my lap or on my thighs. And actually, if you um, happen to receive a the email invitation and the um, notification for this particular show, you will have noticed me sitting, uh, a picture of me sitting there actually in two different postures as an example. Now, you may have to overcome your preconceived notions of what you have been taught as the proper prayer or meditation posture. The point to remember is do what works and is most comfortable for you. You're not going to be able to focus and concentrate on going within and looking for that relationship with your God if your leg is falling asleep and it's hurting. So find a posture that works. Step number four, begin with a prayer. You are here to connect with God, so begin with a prayer. You can use your regular prayer, the Lord's Prayer, or some other prayer that speaks to you. If you go to thespeedwayshow.com, you will find a recitation of the Lord's Prayer um, among the materials for this particular show. For those of you that know it and feel comfortable with it, do that. Uh, The purpose of the opening prayer, though, is not to have a long, drawn-out conversation. It is simply to acknowledge your desire for God's presence and set the tone for your meditation. 
You might uh, use this prayer to ask him for help in laying aside your worries, fears, and busyness and all that fretful and restless energy that might be inside of you that will probably get in the way of your ability to focus and concentrate during your meditation. When there's something on my mind that's bugging me, for example, uh, or that I know will get in the way, with eyes closed, I mentally take that thought or that emotion in the palm of my hand to make it smaller and more manageable. I openly look at it, acknowledge it, and put it in a gift box. I mentally close the lid, tie a bow around the box, and with it, with that box in both my hands outstretched, I offer it to God, and I ask him to take care of it for me. Now, if my meditation goes really well, I leave it with God throughout the meditation and I don't take it back at the end. But often I have to give it back to him several times because I catch myself worrying or thinking about it during my meditation. The more you meditate, the easier you will find it to take these steps. And by the time you complete your initial prayer, you are going to be feeling calmer. But it takes practice. This takes us to step number five. Begin by breathing. Now, there is nothing magical or mysterious about this step. Just breathe. But pay attention to your breathing. You will find that this is going to force you to become calmer. Your heart rate is going to slow as you intentionally focus on your breath. Do this for several minutes. You can set a timer if you like. And maybe when you're starting out, you can set your timer for one minute and then increase it over time. When you are doing it for the first time, one minute, I promise you, is going to feel like such an eternity. But stick with it. This takes us to step six, and I'll tell you this about breathing. One thing that you can do if you're finding it hard to focus is release the tension from your body. Take a moment, inhale, and... As you inhale, tense every single muscle in your body, from your toes to your face, crunch up your face and mentally just do a check and make sure that everything is tense, your stomach muscles, your hands, your thighs, your biceps, everything. And hold that tension and then release it intentionally. And if you do that a couple of times, it's going to help. This takes us to step number six. Talk to God in the language of your heart. Now that you're more calm and centered after a minute of breathing, um, you get to talk to God. What do I mean? Think of your nearest, dearest, closest friend on the surf and think of God in that way. For some, it may be comfortable thinking of him as the divine mother because of the soft, gentle, loving qualities you may associate with your mom. For others, it might be perfectly fine to think of him as your heavenly father because of the loving, protective strength that you associate with that father figure. For yet others, it might be better to think of him as your confidant, your best friend, your sibling, because those are the relationships that are closest to your heart. God is the ultimate single parent, the ultimate sibling, the ultimate lover, the ultimate relative. He gave us earthly relationships that we may learn how to relate to him. So talk to him. And now, you can't do it by being fake. Uh, I remember when I started meditating, uh, there was a time I was going through a divorce. And I couldn't sit there and do the, oh, dear God, you are the great wise one, blah, 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 blah when, frankly, my life was falling apart. I couldn't do it. And so what I had to do is I had to be honest. And there were days when I simply said, Dear God, <laughs> that was all I said. And then I came back and I said, uh, I dried my tears at the end of my meditation. I said, okay, I'll see you tonight. And then I came back uh, later on that night for my evening meditation, I said, dear God, (laughs) and uh, that was my meditation, that incidentally, uh, for those of you who have kids, that came from the Lion King, Timon and Pumbaa are weeping there, Um, but you know, 
that is what it means to have a real relationship with God. It has to be authentic. Never stop talking. Never stop coming back. Keep the dialogue open no matter what's going on in your life because the truth is, and here's the truth about meditation, when you talk to God in prayer, you already know what you're going to say. God knows what you're going to say. But when you meditate, you don't know what he's going to say to you. And if you are just honest, he knows. So you may as well just tell him because it's sitting there like an elephant in the room, and if you've got something that's huge on your heart, he can see it just like you can. And if you are consistent in your meditation and you're coming back time after time, it's going to be really hard to fake it because over time you're going to feel that presence and you're going to feel that need to be honest, and it's going to make a a huge difference to your life. This takes us to step number seven, sit quietly and listen. Now that you've talked to God about what's in your heart, when you run out of words, take this step. Sit quietly and listen. Invite him to talk to you, but don't try to control the conversation. Don't empty your mind, but instead mentally concentrate on experiencing his presence and listening for his voice in your heart. Being silent is probably the most difficult part because your brain is going to wander off and revert to its usual racing and restlessness. Sometimes, to keep my focus, I find it helpful to mentally, silently chant, God, 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 because it keeps me focused on him and why I'm there and not on all the things my my mind wants to wander off to. Now, I have to tell you, I laughed out loud when I saw this next clip. Uh, This was a depiction of Julia Roberts' character when she started meditating in the movie Eat, Pray, Love. Uh, uh, So now what I want you to visualize as you listen is that she is sitting cross-legged in an ashram, and uh, she is trying her uh, first, she's making her first attempt at meditation. Take a listen. Okay. for people who are, you know, 
traveling back and forth. I pray for healing for people that I know are sick, comfort to those that I know are in pain. And I may end my prayer time by saying something like, all right, puppy, I will see you tonight. Amen. Or I might say, come, let's go to work. Amen. This is your relationship. Seize it, own it, make it personal. Step number nine. This is our final step. Commit to regular contact with God. My goal is 30 minutes every morning and evening, in addition to going to church or to a meditation group that I go to at least once during the weekend. If you're wondering about the benefits of going to a place of worship, listen to the show, Why Go to Temple Masjid Church, which you can also find in the spirituality channel in the episode section on thespeedwayshow.com. In short, your continual practice is going to require encouragement and strengthening from other like-minded individuals. And renewing yourself at least once a week is going to be very instrumental in helping you do that. This takes us to a couple of ground rules. And the very first one is by far the most important. And I'm going to play you a cute clip from the movie Finding Nemo. Take a listen. <laughs> wow, that's the the mask. Where's the mask? No, 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 the mask. Get it, get the mask, get the mask, get it. Where'd you drop it? You dropped it! That was my only chance of finding my son. Now it's gone! Hey, Mr. Grumpy Gills. When life gets you down, you know what you gotta do? I don't wanna know what you gotta do. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. What do we do? We swim, swim. Dory, no singing. I love to swim in when you want to swim, you want to See, I'm going to get stuck now with that song now it's in my head. Sorry. That was uh, Ellen DeGeneres, who played Dory in Finding Nemo, and she did a phenomenal job. Never stop trying. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Prabhahansa Yogananda said, a saint is a sinner who never stopped trying. Don't Beat yourself up. That's rule number two, actually. And what I want you to do is, doesn't matter how much you think you are failing at it, just keep swimming and don't beat yourself up. When you go through that particularly difficult meditation, don't worry about it. Uh, what I like to say, because it's an authentic relationship, it's a personal relationship, I might say at the end of my meditation, you know what, Papi, I did not do so well today, but that's okay, because I'm going to see you tonight, and I'm going to try again, and I come back that night, and I try again. Papi, I am so sorry. I have been totally off my schedule. I haven't done my meditation in a while, but here I am, and you keep coming, because God's going to love you, and he's going to keep loving you. Well, that takes us to rule number three. Focus on your part. What I am giving you is not a magic formula to make your life easier, And God is not a genie who can be conjured up at your whim. In fact, if it's your attitude that, hey, I knocked and therefore you must come, he is less likely to come. You will also probably have a hard time if your focus is on, hey, I'm making all this effort, so what are you going to do for me? Don't worry about the results. Am I feeling different? Am I calmer? Am I smarter yet? Am I more emotionally intelligent now? Has my brain changed? Is my life getting better? Don't worry about the results. If you do, it's going to be like watching paint dry, and you're not going to be focused on paying attention to the signs and being watchful. So just focus on the discipline of returning to God on your set schedule. I would suggest that your ultimate goal should be 30 minutes twice a day morning and evening. If you aim for that, you're going to find that there will be times when you can sit for much longer periods, but if you just focus on it, just doing it consistently, that's going to be hard enough. Rule number four, don't just come when you want something. 
a relationship with God is no different from one that you might have with anybody else in this respect. If you have a child who only shows up when they want something, are you going to give them things? Are you going to do things for them? Sure. But how much more delighted are you with the child who just shows up and says, hey, Dad, or hey, Mom, I'm here because I just want to hang out. The child who just wants to spend time with you. And with that child, you're going to go above and beyond. You're going to address things that they haven't even asked you about yet. And your father is no different. You come every time when you want something or you sit there for your prayer time and you've got your long list. Um, Just know that you're probably going to be kind of exhausting. (laughs) You sit there with God and just want his presence and you will feel transformation. Rule number five, seek regular renewal through reading your life manual and hanging out with others. We talked about this a little bit earlier, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but get into the habit. Rule number six, do not get discouraged. Just keep swimming. Don't give up. Don't get discouraged. If God doesn't come the first day, the first month, the first year, keep at it until you have a lifetime. And there is no limit to the number of days that you should aspire to sit with your father, your divine mother, your beloved friend. Set that expectation and you will be a lot less likely to get discouraged. Just plan to do it over and over and over. Rule number seven, believe and expect that he will talk to you. Since I am no genie and I certainly don't know the mind of God, let me hasten to say that this is not a magic show where if you follow these, you know, so many steps, God is going to automatically turn up. What I can say with confidence, though, is that God does love you. And if you pursue that relationship with zeal and a sincere seeking and longing heart, not for the things that he can do for you, not for the magic that he will perform, but for God himself, sooner or later, God will come, and you will know when that presence is with you. I'm going to give you now an assignment. I want you to try this for 30 days. Now, if you do it twice and it doesn't work, you don't get to come and gripe about how it didn't work. If you do it consistently twice a day for 30 days, even if it's just one or two minutes, whatever you can handle, uh, and you're not feeling like this is really quite um, what's right for you, then tweak it. Talk to other people about how they meditate and learn because we are all supposed to seek out our own salvation with fear and trembling. So these are the first steps to get you going. These are just suggestions and ideas that I can say, hey, this stuff has worked in my life, and I have seen great results, and I would encourage you to do the same. To the extent that there might be people out there who are seeking just like I was seeking and saying, how do I get that deeper relationship? How do I talk to God? How do I get God to talk to me? How do I get better at listening? These are my suggestions as one who has been on this journey And it's been, you know, as I said, it's been probably about five or six years now. And it is still, for me, a struggle and discipline. Uh, I still have problems. I still have issues. I still have hardships that I have to overcome. But I have to tell you that doing it with God's help is a whole lot easier than when I was trying to do it all by myself. Well, this takes us to the end of our show. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. You can uh, join me next week when we're going to be talking about a very important holiday topic, your relationship with food and how to manage it over the holidays. You can follow the show and listen to new and on-demand shows on the fan page. Click through to the link from facebook.com slash Show. You can also follow the show on Twitter, twitter.com slash, yep, you guessed it, The Speedway Show. So until next week, this is Speedway saying go in peace and pursue that relationship with God with unrelenting determination. Even if you feel like you have to start by saying, hey, God, I know you're up there. 
that's what you start with because this is your relationship and you need to own it. Make it your own. Make it personal. This is B-Way signing off. Till next week. Thank you for joining us on the Speedway Show. Until next time, live well, live fully, and love deeply.